Hey folks, you know what? A small regret is slouching in the dentist chair thinking I should have brushed and flossed better. A big health regret is listening to your doctor and thinking I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. I have that regret a lot. Better health today and when it matters most is why I take Field of Greens. Field of Greens is unlike any fruit and vegetable or green product. Field of Greens isn't watered down extracts. Field of Greens is an organic superfood. It's whole fruits and vegetables. Each fruit and vegetable was selected by doctors to support vital body functions like heart, liver, kidneys, metabolism, and of course, your immune system. And only Field of Greens is backed by a better health promise. At your next checkup, your doctor will notice your improved health or you're gonna get your money back. Don't look back and say, I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. Field of Greens is a key to better health today, right now, and when it matters most. Let's get you started with 15% off and free shipping. All you got to do is visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS at checkout. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Hello, America, and welcome to a new edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News, where we have big breaking news. We're going to break it on this show today. I like to do that sometimes. Joining us in just a few minutes is a Christian pastor, Pastor Jeff Durbin of Arizona, who is representing several hundred Navy SEALs. You heard that right. Several hundred Navy SEALs who uh, have sought religious exemption to not get the vaccine, the COVID-19 vaccine. They have religious and other concerns about its safety and about its relevance to them. And they have been told that if they don't do so by this week, you ready for this? They're not gonna be able to deploy with their SEAL teams anymore. Essentially their SEAL careers are done. That is a big breaking story. And Pastor Durbin's account is confirmed by two lawyers who are representing many of these Navy SEALs. I've confirmed it there. I've also confirmed it with several operators themselves who acknowledge getting these uh, letters and these communications. I've also heard from several advocates in the community. This is a big story. Why is it important? There's only about 2,500 Navy SEALs. They are the elite of the elitists, the best fighting warriors America has ever produced. They are the special operators right up there with the Green Berets and the Army Rangers. But the Navy SEALs do some of the most important dark missions, the things we never hear about, things like the bin Laden assassination when we were able to capture bin Laden and kill him in 2011. That was Navy SEAL Team 6, right? We all remember that. Movies have been made about it. This is a national crisis of several hundred, a quarter, a third of available deployable Navy SEALs are suddenly sidelined by the vaccine mandate. And what we're hearing is, we've heard this from several of the lawyers, many of these SEALs already had COVID. They survived it. They have superior natural immunity in their blood. And yet they're still being asked to take a shot. And if not to be sidelined, they don't want to give up on service of their country. And so they've reached out to this minister Pastor Jeff Durbin and several lawyers. You're going to hear from them in a story. We're going to break the story on Just the News in a little bit, but you're hearing it first on this podcast. John Solomon's report at Just the News. We're going to hear from Pastor Durbin in just a second. And then after that, I've got a second guest I really want you to hear of. This is a lifelong teacher in California, Rebecca Friedrichs. She has been fighting the teacher unions, even though she's a member of it and, and served even in a leadership position on things like political contributions, taking 
union workers pay and, and going only to Democrats, these contributions. And now on vaccine and other mandates for students, she is on the front lines of trying to bring some sanity to this debate. And she's going to tell us what it's like when you're a teacher on the inside going up against your own union. She's done that. And you're going to love that interview as well. But first, let's have a quick commercial break when we come back. We'll be right here with Pastor Jeff Durbin in the extraordinary alarming story, one that has imminent national security implications involving the Navy SEALs right after this commercial break. Temp check. What kind of summer are we having this year? A family road trip summer, a beach bum summer, or a wake me up when the sun sets summer? With Instacart, choose your own adventure and skip the shopping side quests. Where available, you can get ice cream delivered to your hotel, sunscreen to the pool, or cold brew to your bed. Well, door, in as fast as 30 minutes. Wherever you find yourself this summer, you can get the goods. Download Instacart for free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Excludes restaurants. Additional terms and fees apply. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. And as promised, a breaking and very important story happening today, affecting the, the nation's security, the well-being of our Navy SEALs, the most elite of our special operators. And joining me right now is somebody who's representing a large number of the Navy SEALs. His name is Pastor Jeff Durbin. He is from Arizona, and he's been ministering to uh, several hundred Navy SEALs who have been wrestling with the decision of whether to comply with the Pentagon's uh, mandatory COVID vaccine. And a large number of these fighting uh, men and women are uh, concerned about the the religious implications of the vaccine, the safety data that's kind of new and not complete yet. And uh, they've been seeking religious exemptions and getting some very bad news. So joining us right now from Arizona is Pastor Jeff Durbin. Pastor, welcome to the show. Thank you, John, for having me. Thank you for all you're doing to serve these men. This is an extraordinary moment, and uh, I wonder if you could just walk us through how a pastor uh, serving his church in Arizona ends up with a whole bunch of Navy SEALs asking for his help. It's a pretty remarkable moment. It is remarkable, and I'm I'm humbled by it and in many ways uh, terrified by it, and I'm I'm concerned for the state of our nation. I'm concerned for the state of our government, and of course, I'm concerned for these men. Uh, These men, honestly, are our heroes. I mean, these men laid their lives down for us, for me, my wife, my kids, you, and uh, they deserve our very best. And I'm concerned about what they're they're dealing with right now. And so I got involved because um, our our platform, Apologia, we we have a lot of sermons, a lot of engagement, public debate, cultural engagement, and uh, a lot of these men watch that. And I have a very close friend of mine, a solid pastor, who actually has one of these Navy SEALs uh, in his church. And so... As time has gone by the last couple of months, uh, we've made some connections, and I've had time to counsel and listen to these men and offer them some spiritual and biblical guidance. Um, and uh, I met with them uh, face-to-face, and uh, there's, there's hundreds of Navy SEALs who are unvaccinated, who don't want to get vaccinated, and many who have already had COVID and beat it and uh, have the natural immunity. And so there's a large portion of them uh, that I'm speaking on behalf of as a minister of the gospel. Uh, these, I just want to make sure that this is the most important thing said. These are men who are committed to the lordship of Christ. They're Christians. They're men of faith. They're committed to the gospel. Uh, they're committed to uh, biblical principles and God's law. 
They're committed to love for their neighbor and the biblical principle of the preservation of human life. And that's what the concern is with this particular experimental vaccine is that they are commanded to be concerned for the preservation of human life. And of course, John, as we would expect of Navy SEALs, these are our heroes and warriors. They're the best that we've got. They are very concerned with their oath that they put a hand to God about uh, to defend and uphold the Constitution itself. And they see this as a violation of that oath. And they're doing that as Christians. They're concerned for their nation. They want, of course, their nation to know the same Savior that they have through faith. Uh, but this, this position they're in, John, is critical because even with of religious exemption. So let's just say we grant that. I'm a believer. I'm a believer in Christ. God's law is supreme. I need to love my neighbor. I'm concerned. The long-term data is suspicious. Um, there isn't any. <laughs> and uh, the short-term data is, is alarming in some cases. And so I'm concerned about the preservation of human life. And that is my uh, role as a Christian. First commandment is to love God. Second commandment is to love neighbor. And this is affecting my countrymen. And so they're concerned with their religious convictions. And so what they're being essentially told is this, John, they're being told that even with a legitimate religious exemption, right. they will no longer be deployable, which means they're no longer Navy SEALs. Yeah. If you're not and with so, your team, John, you're not with your, you're not a SEAL. I mean, the, the bond of the team is such important to the identity and the operations of a Navy SEAL team. So being kicked off the team is, is basically the end of their careers. Isn't that correct? Yeah, John, it's the end of their careers. I mean, these, these men gave everything for us. I mean, laying their lives down for, in the sake of another. I mean, for them, that's the, that's the key thing, too. I, I'm the pastor here. I'm the minister of the gospel, and I'm listening to these men. That's the key thing is there's no greater love than this. And a man lays down his life for his friends. That's what these men do. That's the commitment that they've made, the ultimate sacrifice. And so that's, that's I think, the premier issue here is that these men are disciplined men. They're strong men. They're courageous men. They've given everything uh, for the sake of their country, and they are consistent men. And that's, the, that's I think, the, the thing that should have been anticipated, John, in all this, is that you're talking about men who are men of faith in Christ. They're disciplined men. They're consistent men. These are the most brilliant men you will ever be around. If you get in a room full of Navy SEALs, let me tell you, you'll feel very small because they are bright. They are <laughs> so sharp. True, they are humble. It? They are respectful. They are fighters. Uh, and they're consistent and so you would expect if, if the government um, if the government essentially violates uh, the law of the land, lex rex, the historic Christian tradition of lex rex, lex rex, the law is king. If they violate that, you would expect these consistent, disciplined warriors who are the best that we've got to say, I have questions. Can I have some more time? Can we talk about this? And that's essentially what they're asking for, John, is there, what we need them to get is representation from their countrymen, from their congressmen, from everyone to say, give these men more time to make their case and to reason through this, because they're not going to abandon their convictions. These are men who stand in front of bullets for me. They, they already made a commitment to die for me. And uh, they understand there's more than one way to die for your country. It may mean losing their career as SEALs. It's just amazing. Now, let's let's get the scope of how many are involved here. There's approximately, according to public reporting, about 2,500, when the Navy's full, about 2,500 uh, uh, Navy SEALs when, when every billet and uh, job is a uh, thing. Sometimes it drops down to as low as 2,200 in, in modern times. How many uh, Navy SEALs are affected by this exemption, by the concern uh, about the vaccine and its safety? Yeah, John, I think you're right there. Those public numbers are, are, are accurate as, as, basic, as much as we can tell. Um, but from what I know uh, right now, there are hundreds, hundreds of wow. Navy SEALs 
um, who are resisting the vaccine mandate. They have questions. They need more time. They were given a deadline uh, that's ultimately impossible to meet. And, also, and I'll say this, speaking for myself here as an American citizen, it's abusive. It's abusive to these men to give them the kind of timeline that they gave them and uh, expect them to operate within that. And so, again, the timeline was given and the timeline essentially came with this caveat, even with a religious exemption. Uh, sure, you're not deployable. You're no longer SEALs. So we have hundreds of SEALs, <laughs> Navy SEALs, who are, who are essentially standing firm in their convictions as Christians, many of them, and to the Constitution. And they're saying, uh, can't do that. And uh, I, I am speaking on behalf, a large, uh, on behalf of a large number of them who are going to be consistent. And, and the question that has to be asked, and I know that we're all probably thinking this, is what does this say about military readiness? If you're going to persecute Christians who have deeply held, sincere, legitimate Christian convictions and say you, you're no longer going to be able to defend your country and be a Navy SEAL, um, what's it say about military readiness? What's that going to do to our military? If this is across the board in all branches, if we have these kinds of numbers represented, what's it say about uh, what this does to our military readiness? Yeah, this is a huge issue, a significant issue, and one that uh, uh, potentially days from now could be affecting our national security. That's what I'm hearing from experts uh, all around the country who have heard about this. Uh, there are multiple people like you, other lawyers and others who are being um, contacted and saying, hey, this isn't right. And what I hear is they're walking through a process, which is there's not enough um, <clears throat> data yet uh, in the safety data to make me to help me make an informed decision. And yeah, I know the government says it's safe, but the database shows there are some adverse reactions. I'm a man of faith. My faith tells me to treat my body like a temple of God and therefore don't do anything rash to harm your body. And so they're trying to reconcile it. And yet I'm a Navy SEAL that has given their entire life to protecting our country. I can't speak publicly about my concerns because we, we have a code of, code of silence. Uh, and so I'm looking for some time. It sounds like one of the things that they're asking for is a 90-day uh, window to have some more conversation, get more data going with their, with their supervisors. Does that sound right to you? Yes, sir. John, you're right. And it's uh, asking also, please, everybody, contact Congress, contact your congressman, your woman, and let them know that we need to we need to support these men and we need to give them representation and uh, we need to allow them to have time to reason through this. And, John, you're, you're exactly right. See, the key thing here, and I think people need to hear this because it's a large part of the argument, perhaps against their position, um, people might say, uh, something to the effect of, well, you know, you're a Navy SEAL. You take all kinds of vaccines to go into combat, to be deployed. And, of course, everyone needs to grant that. Yes. Right. But we have to also recognize the distinction between that, which is the case and is true, and this. This is something that's an experimental vaccine with no long-term safety data. Uh, that's an irrefutable fact, John. I know everyone has, please, everyone has to just grant that. It's an irrefutable fact that there's no long-term safety data. Why? Because we just got them. And so this isn't anti-vaxxers. This isn't sort of a collection of Navy SEALs who are just anti-vaxxers. They're not. They've yeah. been vaccinated up and down. Um, and the issue is long-term safety data. The short-term safety data on these vaccines, more and more is coming out constantly. It's showing some pretty concerning things that, that and we're not going to go into all this now on the show, but there's some destructive things that they're concerned with. And so this is the issue. Uh, it's not about them as Navy SEALs receiving a vaccine that has long-term safety data though, it's, or, or whatever. This is about them being concerned for their wives, their children, their countrymen. 
And so this goes broader than the Navy SEALs just being asked to take a vaccine for themselves to deploy and to give up their lives for their country. This is something that actually is affecting their countrymen, and that's their commitment. They commit to die for their country. And again, this is the key issue. For these men that I'm speaking on behalf of, these men have first and foremost an allegiance as believers to the Lordship of Christ, to his gospel, to his kingdom, to his law, to biblical principles. And the biblical principle, the key issue here for them is love for my neighbor demands of me that I be concerned here with something that is a, a federal or national mandate being pushed across me, my family, and everybody else that could end up harming them. How do I know? that it won't? I don't know. I don't have enough long-term data. And again, these are sharp men. We expect them to use their minds to be sharp, to be courageous, to be disciplined. They're using all that the military expects of them. They're using those things, those critical skills, yeah. and they're coming to the conclusion, I can't do this. And this is one thing I want to say, John, it's so important, and then I'll shut up here. This is key. These men are the silent warriors. They're the silent professionals. They don't want attention. They don't want to speak for themselves. I, I'm a pastor who knows their situation. I am trying to advocate for them and speak on their behalf um, because they can't speak for themselves, nor do they even want to. They're the silent professionals. They, they, these are the guys that are more disciplined than any of us. Yes, they they respect their chain of command. They respect their government. They honor their government, but they also honor their true king, which is Christ. And this is key. If there is no transcendent law above government, then government is now God, and they can't abide by that. It is a um, remarkable thing because some of the data sets, right? It's young men, particularly, that have seen some of the cardiomyopathy and other issues of reaction that have occurred in, in the heart. So these are young men. Second of all, these men are in probably the best shape of anyone in the world, right? These are men that can stay underwater for minutes at a time because they have such incredible vascular and cardio training. Uh, so they're probably lower risk of dying of, of COVID. And they're also fall into a category where there are more adverse events being reported than other uh, you know, people older like my age don't have as many adverse events. Does all of that kind of weigh into this first off? The risk factor for dying so. is yeah is yeah. low, right? Yeah. It's, 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 it's a large community. You're exactly right, John, is their risk factor is very low. And this is a key thing, too. And I think this is the thing that's most troubling to me personally. I'm, I'm troubled by the fact that um, the, many of these men have already had COVID yeah. and they beat it. Yep. This very narrow vaccine tries to mimic what natural immunity does. They already have it. And we, and what they're right. being asked to do is they're being asked to put something into their body that is very questionable. They need more time. They need to see the safety data. They're very, they're very concerned with what they're seeing as it stands. And I think all of us should be. And so they have a right to reason within that and say, hey, look, there's even studies, uh, government websites and solid data, reputable sources yeah. from respected people that say if I've already had COVID and I've beaten it to get the vaccine um, could be harmful and what's the point? Because this is a very narrow vaccine. I've already had it. I have a robust immunity and a very strong robust immunity even to the variants. I, I can do very well. That's what the data is showing. Yeah. They see that. They know that. And uh, they're concerned about uh, the health of their neighbors. Pretty remarkable moment. Hundreds of people uh, of our best trained military fighters, literally the elitist, the best of the best, and you have a yeah, and and you have a situation where they may all be offline in just a few days. Uh, you, as someone who prays for the, the soul of the nation and the security of this nation, how nervous does it make you think that some of our best could be sidelined 
uh, without a resolution in the next couple of days. John, I thank you for asking that question because I just want to say as, as a minister, um, we're pretty busy as, as it is. Of course, we're concerned for our nation, but we're involved in a lot of different ministries. Um, I'm very concerned for these men. I'm very concerned about what it means for our country. Um, these men, I feel like we owe them everything. And uh, this being perpetrated upon them, I've, I'm horrified by. And um, I'm concerned about what it means for a nation uh, that was started, um, and this is indisputable, based upon uh, Christian principles, the Christian worldview, I and mean, many of the blessings of liberty and justice and freedom and those things. I mean, those things came to us as gifts from ultimately the Christian worldview as the descendants of the Covenanters came over and the Huguenots and the, all of those that came over. Like this was Christian worldview stuff, and it's embedded there everywhere in the beginning of these documents that they swore an oath to. So these are Christian men upholding an oath to something that comes from Christian principles and the Christian worldview, and now they're being persecuted for their Christian beliefs. And that is horrifying. We're in a state of, an, uh, of the nation at the moment where a nation that was, that was birthed out of Christian principles and Christian ideas, um, this nation now is turning on the very, on the very um, uh, principles and the system and, and the gospel itself that, that gave us those things. And these men, these courageous, amazing warriors and heroes who give everything for us, they're right now at the tip of the spear even of this fight. That's key. That's key. They're always at the tip of the spear for the fights that matter, and here's a fight that matters. It's pretty, pretty amazing uh, to see this play out, and it's going to be essential that the Pentagon take the right steps here to protect our country and to, to listen to these men. Um, so I just want to understand, so you're, you're there, you have this group of soldiers that uh, uh, watch your, your church online. They're deployed all over the world. They, they get their faith and their, their weekly faith and, and, and opportunity to engage in, in fellowship through your, your church. And then they start reaching out to you and you realize they have this greater need. And that's how you get involved. Now, when you step back and you take a look at what's going on here, this is a community that deals with a high suicide rate. It deals with a, a large uh, um, amount of stress and uh, injury, right? These are some of the guys that get injured. We never hear about them because they are the silent warriors. Um, the larger uh, community of SEALs, what what sort of faith and, and engagement levels do they need? What do people in, in the faith world need to do to better support these uh, warriors? Oh, good question. I'm glad you asked that, John. Uh, we need to be praying for the Navy SEALs. Um, a significant number of them are believers. They love, the, they love Jesus. They love their families. They love their country. A significant number of them. And I know a lot of them are just uh, strong men who, who meant the oath that they took. They held it up, and they are suffering right now. These men, I want everyone to know, these men are truly struggling right now. Their families are struggling right now. So first and foremost, I think we need to pray for them. We definitely need to pray for them. Uh, that's not just a pithy thing, you know, you know, the whole course say prayers for Navy SEALs. No, legitimately pray for them, pray for their families. This takes a tremendous amount of courage for these men to do because these are the silent, these are the silent warriors, they're the silent professionals. They don't come out and use the trident for personal gain and to come out and they just can't do it. They won't do it. And yet here they are, our very best suffering. Their families are really suffering. We need to pray for them, pray for God's strength in their life, pray they keep their eyes on Christ uh, and, and, and pray also for the, the men who are within the SEAL community who are 
not as of yet believers, um, but they're just strong, courageous warriors who, who, who mean it when they make oaths. Pray for them that they would, uh, they would, they would, I'm a minister of the gospel, they would see Christ and, yeah. and trust in him for forgiveness, for salvation, but also trust him for courage and strength to fight this battle that they are. Pray for the SEAL community at large. I, I mean this when I say it. My involvement in this is because I do believe uh, that the stand that they're, that they're making is courageous, it is necessary, it is meaningful. Um, these are brothers in Christ, and I want to support them. But also, just like I said, this is so meaningful because in terms of battles that are fought for our nation, for our liberty, for our life, these men, they do that. They're at the front. And now these Navy SEALs are at the very front of the fight against this unconstitutional mandate. Unbelievable. Really remarkable. Um one last thing, because I know in this world, once you become in the front and center of, uh, of an important story like this, people dig up everything that ever happened right down to when you sneezed and when you stubbed your toe. But back a few years ago, there was a little bit of a controversy because you uh, argued that abortion should be treated as murder under the law. And of course, some people interpret that to say that, well, in, under many states, murder is punishable by execution. Now, recently, uh, the Pope himself, the Catholic Pope, uh, Pope Francis, said that he believed that abortion was murder and homicide. He didn't get nearly as much uh, uh, controversy as you did, but I just want to see for people who are going to hear I'm that drug up. I'm not as popular, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or maybe the media is just not as uh, even-handed. I don't know. But um, right. for those who may have heard about this or are going to hear about this, I, how do you address this? I mean, do, are you really advocating you'd like to see women uh, executed? What, what What's really the controversy in your response to it? Well, it's interesting, John, because the controversy, uh, I think, within this generation seems like a controversy or can be used as a controversy, but in the long-standing historic uh, Christian tradition based upon God's law, uh, we have, from the beginning of the Church, literally from the beginning, fought against abortifacients, born against infanticide, and Christians historically have seen um, the unjust taking of human life as murder. We see, of course, uh, it's an indisputable biblical and biological fact that what is in the womb from the moment of conception is human life. And so if the unjustified killing of a human life is murder, defined by God and, of course, by even um, our law in America, then, of course, we would say abortion is murder. And with what the work that we're doing, we're not only out of the abortion mills, um, giving people the gospel, offering them the hope of, of life and forgiveness and peace in Christ, but we're offering to adopt their children. We're offering to, to pay for anything they need, to care for their needs. And we've saved thousands and thousands and thousands of, of babies at, at abortion clinics across the country through that work. But yes, we're also working on the legislative piece. And this year, John, I think it's five states we've been working in with bills of equal protection. That's right. what we're working for, equal protection. What's in the womb is human from conception. We want equal protection for all human beings to be treated justly the same. That means if you're white, you're black, you, no matter what color you are, no matter what size you are, your level of development, we want every human to be treated with equal protection, which means, of course, as, as was just the case in Ireland, um, they're one of the last standing Christian nations before it flipped, uh, that considered abortion murder, as was the case in most of the states in the Union, uh, abortion was seen as murder. And on the books right now, in many, many states across our Union, uh, abortion is still still considered homicide. Uh, many people are under the, the false impression that Roe versus Wade created law. Congress creates law in our nation, not the Supreme Court. Uh, Roe is not law. Joe Biden understands that because he says he now wants to codify Roe into law. So with that, my perspective is not actually very controversial at all. 
in historic Christian tradition or even in our own tradition in this country, abortion was seen as homicide. Uh, that's what we believe that it is. Mm-hmm. And we believe that, uh, yeah, it should go into the homicide code of the state. And, and um, you've been open about and, and very strong in your conviction working on uh, anti-abortion efforts for a long time. And so it should be surprised no one. But people are going to hear this. It's almost certainly going to get dragged up because that's what happens in of today's course. thing. And that's why we thought we'd let our listeners hear directly from you where, where you come from and so I truly appreciate you doing that, my friend. And uh, let me just say, if, if somebody wants to de- debate this issue with me, I'd be happy to do a public debate over the issue. Yeah. You can have Don Lemon ask me. <laughs> that would be a that would be a good debate. That'd be a big debate. So I'll, I'll be there with bells on. There you go. Well, listen, the most important thing you're doing right now is ministering to these extraordinary Navy SEALs, these men who give everything to serve their country and have... Uh, the utmost in integrity. We see it day in and day out, though we often don't hear of their heroism. We know they're there, and they're the silent warriors that keep us protected. And it sounds like today they need our support in a very special way. Yes, sir. And John, may I just uh, offer my gratitude to you for doing what you're doing right now to serve these men. Thank you. Oh, it's, it's an honor to tell the truth. That's the most important thing you can do in life. And this is an important story. So, Pastor, we're going to check in with you in the next few days because this is a, obviously a, a breaking story. It's evolving. And we'll, we'll, uh, we'll want to stay in contact with you since you're on the front lines of one of the most important debates in our country right now. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. God bless you. And we'll, we'll have you back on the show soon. God bless you. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we've got a really fun story about cancel culture in the schools. Stay tuned right after this. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. And as promised, a very special guest, somebody who's been a rebel rouser challenging the status quo in uh, the education circles where teachers unions have had enormous say over policy and the experience that children get every day in the classrooms. And uh, if you haven't heard of her name, you should have because the Supreme Court even knows her name. She was one of the most important plaintiffs in a landmark case that was brought uh, into the Supreme Court back in 2016, I believe it was, uh, Fredericks versus California Teachers Association. Joining us right now is a teacher, a, uh, an activist, and somebody who's got an amazing story to tell. Rebecca Friedrichs. Rebecca, welcome to the show. Hey, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. I love people that challenge the status quo because so often we'll, we'll sit around and say, oh, that's terrible, but I don't have time to deal with it. And uh, you, you've, you've not been that person. You have seen the potential dangers that uh, the teachers unions are doing when they have so much unilateral say, and you really tried to make a difference. Talk a little bit about your history. You're a teacher and a f- former union member and union officer. Why did you challenge the teachers unions in California? Well, I challenged the teachers unions because I watched as they literally destroyed my profession. They brought damage to the students. They literally undermine our free republic by by ruining the great educational system that our founders set up for us. So I watched as a teacher, I taught 28 years, I would still be there if it wasn't for the unions, I had to leave to fight them more. And my husband, a 42 year educator, and uh, we just, we were so fed up with these so-called teachers unions who do not represent any of us, but forced us to pay them for over 40 years. So we decided, look, you know, we had the opportunity to sue them, to stop forced unionism, and we thought, that's a great idea. We should have a voice. So that's why we sued them. It's an amazing thing. And that case ended up in a weird moment. It's very rare in history that we have a 4-4 deadlock, but we did because uh, Justice Scalia had died during the middle of the case and there wasn't a replacement yet. But it set a 
uh, a standard in a dialogue and a debate in America that's still going on today, and that is the right to work. Do you have to really be in a teacher's union to enjoy the benefits and protections of a union? Do you have to pay political dues? All of that was brought to light, and a lot of governors and states are embracing the right to work um, philosophy uh, even more because of your, your incredible work. Now, you have a second concern that's more current right now. It's in the news every day, and that is COVID and whether young students should get the vaccine. Tell us what you've been doing on that front. Well, we've just been trying to educate people. And I think most people know at this point that children don't carry the COVID or they don't spread it. Uh, they have a 99 point, you know, and on 99 plus survival rate. Uh, my own son had the COVID in my own house. None of us caught it from him. He, it was kind of like a mild cold. You wow. know, he was aching for a couple of days. He was forced to take two weeks off of work. He ended up working on his truck because he was bored out of his mind. So, these, <laughs> the, you know, these young people aren't really that impacted by it. But here we have school boards. In this case, in, I'm in California, LAUSD. Right. Six board members have decided the medical fate of 600,000 children so my question is, since when did school boards and the so-called teachers unions become medical experts and the legal guardians of our children? So there's a huge overstep here. They're way out of their lane. So that's what we're fighting is, hey, you know, parents are the ones who have the right to raise their children, make medical decisions and educational decisions for their children, not not school boards and teachers unions. Yeah. And that's the point here, right? You're not trying to be anti-vaccine or pro-vaccine. You just want to leave the power where it's always been intended with a parent, their doctor and their child to make the best decision for their child, right? Absolutely. Children are individuals and it's just like their education. They should have the right to choose the education that's right for their child. I know people whose children who have had vaccine injuries. So obviously those parents aren't going to want to get another vaccine. And then I know like my son who has natural immunities. Why would he go get a vaccine when he has natural immunities to this illness? So there's a lot of individual reasons that parents make choices for their individual children. And like I said, a so-called teachers union and six board members shouldn't be making those decisions for all the children in America. Now, what's the reaction been first with inside of your profession and then outside the profession to your efforts to to challenge this, these mandates that school boards and, and unions are imposing? Yeah, teachers are desperate. When teachers are honest behind the scenes, you know, they can't speak out or they get bullied by the union that claims to represent them. I know teachers who are they're just they're terrified right now. They don't want to take the shot for various reasons and they know they're going to lose their jobs. I have teacher friends in LAUSD who know that if they don't take a shot, I think it's October when my friend told me she has right. to take a shot by October, then she's going to lose her job. And so she's trying to decide, okay, do I stay and make them fire me so I have a lawsuit or so I can get unemployment? She has children she's raising and needs to feed. So t teachers are afraid. Parents are afraid. Children are afraid. So since when did our educational system become uh, this fear-mongering since when did we decide that our schools were supposed to be medical facilities and a coercive, tyrannical government control over families? That's the problem that's going on on the inside is these folks don't have a voice. The unions claim to speak for every teacher. They do not. They do not even speak for the majority. They speak for the activists that they've planted in the schools. And most other teachers are very frustrated by them. 
So there are a lot of teachers themselves that don't want to get the vaccine for various reasons, health reasons, religious reasons, whatever. And uh, there, there are teachers that really want the children and their parents to make this decision, not the unions and school boards. And, and that's not being represented by the unions right now. Is that, is that what you're telling me? That's absolutely right. So the unions, I'm sure you know, they made their little backroom deal with the CDC, the teachers unions did, to make sure that the mask mandates continued and that the school closures continued. Every single teacher I know was against keeping the schools closed. Every single teacher I know, they're good teachers. Yeah, they they want to be there and help children. Exactly. They want to educate. And so their union is using them as pawns and telling the the culture, telling the world that teachers agree with this nonsense. They don't. Good teachers don't. Union activist teachers do. They're not real teachers. But real teachers are very disturbed by this. They know that they're called to teach these children to read, to write, to do arithmetic, to learn accurate history. And they know that these unions are undermining all of that and now undermining their health. So, yeah, teachers are disturbed, very concerned. And unfortunately, a lot of the great ones are leaving the profession over it. It's just amazing to think of what, what this is like on the inside. When we see it on the outside, right, it does look like there's this monolith that all teachers are speaking with one voice. But in fact, the second you get away from the unions and you get down into the real world and into the real classrooms at the real schools, you realize that these, these teachers' unions often have an agenda that's aligned with a national movement and not necessarily with those who they are entrusted to represent. And I, I find this so fascinating every time I, I watch this. You've done a lot of writing. You've done activism with the Mac, Mackinac Center and other places. Um, what is What would you recommend to other teachers who, uh, like you, finally got fed up with the system and said, I'm not going to take it anymore. I'm going to go out there. How does a teacher step up against, you know, what is a lot of resistance? I'm sure you met a lot of resistance when you first became outspoken to the union's agenda. Yeah, yeah, I met a ton. Just to, just to give your listeners an example, when I was lead plaintiff of our case, Friedrichs versus California Teachers Association, the number one question people asked me was, are you afraid for your life? No the kidding. Second, no <laughs> kidding. The second most common question was, are you afraid for your job? And then after Scalia died a month after our case was heard and we knew we'd convinced him, we knew he was voting in our favor. We knew we were going to win with a five to four. Even the New York Times admitted it. And then he died a month into it. Then the question became most current or most common question to this day. Do you think the unions killed him? So if people think this way about the unions, they're that terrified. Imagine how terrified a government employee, a teacher is on the inside trying to stand up to this massive Goliath. So my advice to them is you need to stand together, get together. There, there aren't going to be very many teachers that will stand with you at first. They're too scared. Get community members, parents, pastors, whoever in your community to stand with you Start educating teachers because once they learn the truth, they won't want to be a part of these unions. Our case ended up in a tie, but thank God another case was built on our case and it won in 2018. No one has to pay these unions anymore. So don't pay them. And you can go to our website for kidsandcountry.org. We teach you how to opt out. We walk you through it. You can, we have work with organizations that will give you a lawyer if you get harassed. So there's no reason not to do it. And just really quick, I want folks to know, People might not realize this. The National Education Association actually rewrote the scientific method. They removed empirical evidence and the repeated steps of the scientific process and changed it to scientific theory and consensus. And then they only take the consensus of their friends, their allies on their side, and they ignore real scientists. So this is a twisted science that the politicians are using 
to force these vaccines on people. And teachers need to know that you're funding this. So if you don't stand up against it, you're complicit in the problem. So once you learn, you got to stand up and be brave and do what's right for the kids. Yeah, such an important story. Doing what's right for the people that you're there to serve. That's that. Uh, we've seen, it seems like over the last ten years that that concept has been lost so much in the debate. But because of people like you with the courage to speak out, uh, it's now front and center again. Where does the vaccine mandate battle go? Uh, you're working hard on it. Other people are working hard on it. There are lawsuits out there. Tell us uh, where this goes over the next few months. And if you're a concerned parent, concerned teacher, concerned student, what should you be looking for? Wow. Well, I think people need to, you know, if you don't have knowledge, if you don't have understanding, if you don't know history, you don't recognize what's going on here. So this is government overreach. This is tyranny. And so we need to think back to what happened in Nazi Germany. People were forced to take medical experiments, experimented medical procedures they didn't want that harmed them. So we had the Nuremberg trials and we came up with the Nuremberg Code. It is currently illegal for our government to be forcing experimental vaccines on us. So let's start there. It's illegal. So don't fall for it. Stand on your rights and the fact that this is illegal and immoral. And then there are so many organizations that are standing with parents. I, I, I don't know all of them by heart, but I know that America's Frontline Doctors is helping people with this specific um, issue. And I also know that Liberty Council is helping people yes, bring lawsuits if they're being forced. Yeah, and I know there's more than that. Those are just the two I can think of. So there's a lot of options out there. There's a lot of resources. Whatever you do, don't cave. Don't give up. What they want to do is cause confusion and cause you to give up and get discouraged. We can't. We're so close to winning in a lot of areas, and if we give up, we won't win. So we just have to stand up and stand together and keep on fighting. Such an important concept and one that um... – has been proven time and again when people stand their ground and on principle and follow the law and go through the process they almost always prevail that's so true we sometimes forget about it in, in today's world uh rebecca this is such an interesting uh, uh storyline we've got to keep on top of this i hope to get you back in the next couple of weeks or within a month or so and just track how we're doing on all of these big issues that'd be great i'd love it it's Anytime. an honor to have you on the show too thank you so much for what you've done to teach uh, so many generations of children thank you my honor god bless you God bless you, too. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to wrap things up for the day. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with BiteClear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. BiteClear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. All right, folks, that wraps up a very busy Big breaking news show here at John Solomon Reports and Just the News. For more details on that Navy SEAL story that we just talked about with Pastor Durbin, go to justthenews.com. We've got several of the Navy SEALs lawyers on the record. We've got many people talking about this. Even Eric Greitens, retired Navy SEAL, former Missouri governor, current U.S. Senate candidate. He talks about the long-term implications of this. This is a big, big deal, consequential deal playing out in American news right now. 
All right. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of John Solomon Reports. I think we're going to have Senator Ron Johnson on the show. We'll sure be asking him about the Navy SEAL issue, as well as so many of the other important work he's been doing on holding the Biden administration, the United States government to account for things they're doing that don't make sense to us everyday Americans. So hopefully tomorrow we'll have Senator Ron Johnson on the show. Until then, God bless you and God bless this amazing country, the United States, as he always has. You've been listening to John Solomon Reports, a podcast from Just the News.